Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/spoken today. And I was calling my best friend, and he's like, "Got grilled," which is like this burger place from Australia. And I was like, "Fuck it, I'm coming home." And that was like the deciding factor. <laughs> Now arriving on Cultaholic Island, uh, it says on the papers she's from Australia, but she's one of our own really in the UK. It's Charlie Evans. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am really good, thank you. There's loads politically going on where you are at the moment. I've saved the the biggest political hot question for you for today. Um, Is it too easy to say that Best of Both Worlds is the best Hannah Montana song? Because I think it's an easy answer. Do you know what? I've literally been listening to the Hannah Montana soundtrack for like the last three days straight. <laughs> and it's up there. It's definitely up there. That whole first Hannah Montana album is great. Is there something else on there, though, that, that rivals best of both worlds? Because I think like he could be the one kind of got traction because of TikTok. Banger. Um, Who Said is really good, too. OK, OK. Is, is, now, I, haven't, I don't know that one, but is that a gym anthem? They all are. Oh, okay, fair, fair. Even if they're slow, I'll still go to it. What is um? What's what is the song that you would put on from the the pantheon of Hannah Montana that will just give you that little extra boost when you when you're hitting the gym a little bit harder? You know what's really good? The climb from the Hannah Montana ah, movie. Of course, that's the one. Always got to be another mountain and all that. That's it. You forget that it's from that because we had. You know, Northeast boy Joe McKeldry doing his thing with that one from over here. We forget that it was a Hannah Montana cut to begin with. Such a banger. Um, it's good to hear that you're in the gym because I know obviously you 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 suffered uh, an injury a short while ago. You bounced back from it pretty quick. But is there any, yeah. like, obviously away from wrestling, is there trepidation about getting back into that sort of routine when you've had an injury? Yeah, I'm still kind of working through it at the minute. So it is scary. I think coming back to wrestling is scarier after you've like been injured. Cause you kind of just are like always thinking about like that part of your body in the back of your mind and you kind of tense up and hesitate a little bit. So, yeah. I remember somebody saying that the, the best thing you can do as a wrestler is when you have injured, like say you've got neck injury, you've just got to take clotheslines in training until you <laughs> overcome the fear. And I'm just thinking, no, absolutely not. But that's, is, is there some truth to that? Or is that just a bit of wrestler bravado? Yeah, I think like even coming, like I'm still, I am still trying to like get over the the trap injury. So 
Like I've had two or three matches since I heard it. And every time I've just been like, okay, just like don't think about that part of your body. Cause if you do, it's just going to go right there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you always have to push it into the back of your mind. Like I'm not like this, this fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's just like, don't hesitate. That's when you get hurt more. So we're going to talk, we'll talk a bit about other stuff as well as we go through today. But um, we're here for a couple of reasons. We're here to talk about a really exciting project that you're buzzing about. And I'm really keen to get into that. But also, since you're here, we, we, we may as well play the game. We're going to send you onto a desert island, Charlie. Okay. Uh, which is just what we need after several years of, of isolation. Um, yeah. We're going to send you onto a desert island. While you're there, we're going to give you three wrestling matches to watch to, to keep you entertained and amused while you're there. Matches that have some significance to you, matches that have uh, a little special place in your heart, uh, stuff that can make you smile whilst you're on said islands. And we're going to go through three each, each of the matches as we chat today. So what would you like match number one to be, Charlie? Okay, so I have a game plan going into this, right? Okay. I don't want to do just do like my favorite matches. I'm going to do matches that like hype me the fuck up because then I can just swim and I just <laughs> keep going and I just escape and I just go home. So I love, I love my bed. So we're going to have, so as well as three matches and Miley Cyrus is the climb, uh, yeah. you'll, you'll get home in no time. Yeah, I'll be, I'm a good swimmer too. So I'll be like, that's my game plan going into it. I, so my first one would be um, Go versus Nakajima from Noah. And it was like at the end of 2020 at the Noah, like 20th year anniversary. And it's like 45 minutes long or something. And they just batter each other. And it's so cool. That King's Road style uh, is is one that I, I do think of when I watch you. Is there a heavy influence from Noah from your style? Yeah, for sure. So for sure, I love it. Of of all the matches you could have chosen, like what is it about this one that really that really hypes you the fuck up? I just think they're both so so good, and they've had like multiple matches together. But this one was just—I don't know if it was because it was during the pandemic, so like I was just like stuck inside watching a lot of things. But like to wrestle for like forty-five minutes and just continuously like beat each other up is just so cool and they do like that like kick chop off and it's just like it'll never get old is that the sound of his chops and the sound of his kicks and and there's something that that hits a little more when it is a a pandemic era wrestling match and uh, i know with japan it's like they're, they're only just now talking about bringing booze and cheers back um, no. but so to have just like either the sound of nothing or those rhythmic claps as things happen, that adds to it, doesn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. And even like another match that happened in the pandemic was that like, uh, match between Go and Fujita and they just like stared at each other for like 30 minutes and they didn't do anything like for 30 minutes. And then they wrestled for half an hour as well, but for 30 minutes, they just st- like stared at each other. It was sick. What is it from? Um, I mean, the psychology in a match like that is is phenomenal. But to to go back to your pick, what is is there something from that match that you're watching it? You're 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 away from everybody. We're all shut away. Is there something from that that you've taken and and used in your wrestling going forward? Um, I think I got really into Noah at like the end of 2019, and. I feel like around the same time is where I really like discovered like who I wanted to be as a wrestler and got really comfortable and confident in my ability. 
And I think Noah had a lot to do with that because I took, like I had always taken influence from Japan and I had just come off a tour of Japan, but I think just watching it more, I was like, Oh, okay, this is really different. I can take little things from it and like implement it into my own wrestling. So I think like Noah holds a really like special place in my heart because it just gave me like the confidence to just do the wrestling style that I really liked and enjoyed. Who else helped you sort of find Charlie Evans around 2019? Um, Chris Brooks, for sure. Like he would probably be like the top person that I would say. Like he, like Chris has been like one of my favourite wrestlers for so long and a big part of the reason that I moved to the UK is because of him. Like I watched him and Nixon and I hadn't done like a lot of intergender wrestling, even though I hate the fucking term, at that time. Um, so like getting to meet him was really cool. And then I got the chance to wrestle him and it just kind of all clicked. Like I was, I was so nervous. Like I was a mess because he just planned things. So like effortlessly, it seemed. And up until that point, I think I really would like psych myself out, like putting matches together and like remembering them and stuff like that. And he just made the process seem so easy and it was just so easy to wrestle him. It was one of my favorite matches. I've literally never watched it back because I don't think it ever got released. So like that sucks, but maybe I'll watch it one day. Um, And he just like, it just gave me a lot of confidence because I was like, okay, no, putting matches together is really easy. And the way he explained it to me was so easy. And then from then on, I just got like more confident, like putting matches together, which is my favorite part of wrestling is like psychology and planning. And then he would like give me ideas and he's like, Oh, you know, like as soon as we met, he was like, you remind me of Bornicano. You should do this. You should do this. And he would always just give me little tips. And I think like, I've taken a lot of like the way he creates his brand, his like merchandise and all of that from him and kind of like put it into my own. I can imagine you were buzzing to be compared to Bornicano. Oh, yeah. I'm sick. <laughs> my favorite wrestler in the whole world. Who who were some of the first wrestlers that, that really turned you on into wrestling? Says so Bull Nakano uh, is up there, and it's funny now I hear that. I go, yeah, I, I, I can I can see why. Are there others that kind of obviously you were watching wrestling at a young age? Um, but is, who who were the wrestlers that made you go? I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, when I first started, it was it was Jeff Hardy, the King. Nice. Like that's who I first was like really like drawn to when I started watching and I had no concept of like indies or anything like that. And then um, John Moxley, when he was like on the indies before he got signed, was really cool and like doing like deathmatch stuff. I thought that was awesome. Like that was like one of my first introductions to deathmatch. And then like, I kind of got more into like Japanese wrestling and like Bull Nakano, like Miko Satomura, who is my trainer, which is insane to be able to say. And like Hukoto, stuff like that. So yeah, definitely like more of like a Japanese influence. Uh, Mako Satamura currently over in the UK um, and as sort of like a player manager for NXT UK. How did you come to, to, to begin getting trained by her? So I first met her um, at King of Trios when they uh, did it in the UK. So that was 2017, um, which was really cool just to like meet her. We didn't really like talk much. It was just like more of like an introduction. Um and then she was coming over more regularly and Millie got the opportunity to go over. And then me and Millie wrestled for the Sendai Junior belt. And after that, I was asked to go over. 
Amazing. Was, <laughs> what is something that uh, Mako Satamora has has taught you that has stayed with you? I think the biggest thing is uh, instead of just selling, is reacting to what's actually happening. And like, like Eddie brings this a lot in, like when we talk about stuff and he'll talk about it on Twitter. And it, I think like reacting to what's actually happening around you and where you've been hit and stuff like that will get you so much further than just like selling because that's what you think you need to do. It's interesting to hear, like we've only been doing this for about 10 minutes and we're kind of getting an idea of the, the building of Charlie Evans. It's guidance yeah. from Chris Brooks. It's, it, it's, it's the ability to kind of work the world around you from Mako Satamora. It was the inspiration from Jeff Hardy. Uh, but we have to, in, the, in sort of the, the, the building of Charlie Evans, we can't not mention Kane because I know for a fact... That your first introduction was being, um, uh, what have I written down here? Scared shitless of Kane. Yeah, I fucking hate him. <laughs> I really do. Like, I used to be so petrified of Kane, right? When I, I was like seven. And I used to have nightmares that this motherfucker would be like in my wardrobe and like set me on fire at night. <laughs> like, legit, I was so scared. You know, when you like wash your face and like you're frightened that you're going to look up and there's someone in the mirror? <laughs> that was going to be Kane, I'm telling you. Don't like him. Go away, Kane. <laughs> there's, there's many that feel the same, but for very different reasons now. Oh, and even more so now. Fuck him. <laughs> um, if it hadn't been wrestling, if wrestling hadn't come along, if Kane hadn't scared you shitless, if Jeff Hardy hadn't inspired you, um, what would it have been? Because I know that you've, you've got a, a big history as a skateboarder. You were third in Australia. Would that have, <laughs> been, would that have been a path? Uh, I think so. Um, so like my dad's a really, like really good skateboarder. He's been doing it all his life. So it was kind of like, as soon as I was born, he had bought me a skateboard. Like I was ready to go. Um, and so I was kind of doing that for a long time and I was doing it up until wrestling, but it just clashed too much with it. So I I definitely, like, I still skate. Um, I'm definitely not as good as I used to be, but I think, yeah, I probably would have kept doing, doing that. Uh, had it not been wrestling, had it not been skateboarding, was there anything else in, in a young Charlie Evans world that you think you might have gone down the path of? No. Just those two. Yeah, those are my two big things. Um, your dad, as you say, is, is a skater and, and he was in, excited for you to follow in his footsteps. Um, yeah. But that's a sport that comes with its own danger. Uh, yeah. In doing that. Uh, so it's always it's interesting to hear that your folks were happy for your skateboarding, but the wrestling wasn't something they were that keen on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I did have to convince them for a long time. Like I was like 16 and I was like, okay, I want to be a wrestler. I found a wrestling school. I was going to local shows and like, I, I begged them for like a year to let me start training. And I'm, I honestly, I am glad they like kept me for that like extra year because I think 16 is maybe like a bit too young to start wrestling. I don't know. There's six, like Nick Wayne, look at him. He's amazing. So, I mean, do what you want. But, um, yeah. So I started when I was 17 and I was like, all I want for my birthday, I just want to wrestle. I want to go to wrestling school. So that's what I got for my birthday. Nice. And they would drive angels. But, yeah, they, I think they're still a bit scared. 
uh, what's their reaction to to what they've seen? Because it's not, you know, it's one thing to go, oh, I don't want, you know, I'm nervous about Charlie Evans wrestling. But then obviously you you gra- you graduate into the world of deathmatch wrestling and that must be a whole other thing yeah. to have to explain. They don't want a bar of it. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, they've watched maybe one or two of the deathmatches I've done, but they don't really want to see it because they're a bit frightened. I mean, I'm sitting right in front of them, so they know I'm fine, but they are still a little bit scared, which I understand. Like, it's your little angel. So, I mean, I do understand. Like, my sister came to one of them when I wrestled um, Jessica Troy at PWA, and it was a hardcore, like, no DQ. So it wasn't, like, too crazy, but she saw that. She loved it. Jessica's mum was there. Um, she came backstage and yelled at us after it because she wasn't happy that Jess stabbed she was in my brain. <laughs> what did she say to you? Oh, she's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? That's Don't do that. <laughs> and she had bought a present for me and she, was, and she didn't give it to me because she was angry at us. Oh, no. <laughs> what, was the, what was the present? She bought me this beautiful little ring that was in the shape of a coffin and it was like a... Uh, like a smoky quartz crystal because it reminded me of her. Would have been probably bad vibes to give you a, a coffin shaped, uh, coffin shaped ring. <laughs> I was like, it work. It works for uh It works for the match. <laughs> it would have been fine. It would have been better if anything. <laughs> um. So let's move on to your second match. So we we've celebrated pro wrestling Noah in your first choice. What would you like your second one to be, Charlie? Um, okay, I have a few that I like haven't actually decided, so let's just go with it. My second one would be Bunakano versus Aja Kong, their cage match that they had. Now, again, it's nice we come back to Bunakano, somebody that you've you've drawn comparisons with, uh, or you've yeah. been had comparisons drawn with you with. Um, why that one? It's just so cool, like to see. Like, first off, they're just, like, two women that kind of, like, broke the mould. And I don't think they were ever, like, there isn't really a mould in Japanese women's wrestling um, because they have always, like, embraced, like, different, uh, like, types of people and what they look like and their body type and stuff like that, and I really love that. Um, But I think, like, as a young girl, being so used to just seeing, like, the diva sort of thing, you know, and then seeing that, I was like, whoa, this is absolutely amazing because it was so far removed from the the wrestling that you would have grown up watching yeah and obviously like it happened like way earlier than like all this diva era stuff but that's what i was just used to seeing this is what i always find amazing why i always love to point people in the direction of, of women's wrestling from particularly like the mid 90s because they were they were writing the book before uh, the, the west did for two decades. It's taken 20 years to get there. Yeah, it's so cool. And like that leg drop she does and she like bounces back to her feet. That's disgusting. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> but it's sick. You got the chance to work with Aja Kong. I did. And so so talk to me about how that felt because this is somebody, again, like it's a match that that is that's lived in your soul and and now you're getting to work with her can you remember some of the the conversations you had some of the moments yeah. that you had with Aja Kong it was so cool so it was for Rise and basically the process of Rise was you would go to a seminar and from that they would choose people that stuck out in the seminar to be on the show later that night 
And this was the second or third time Jess and I had done rice. So we kind of knew that we were going to be on the show probably regardless. Um, and we were obviously traveling such a long way to be there. Uh, but so we did the seminar with Bull and, uh, sorry, with Aja Kong and um, Hiroyo. And it was just so interesting because I hadn't really been trained in like a Japanese style yet. So it was very different. Um, it was super intense, which was really cool. And then after it, they're like, okay, we're going to like put these matches together and do whatever. And then they were like, okay, yep, you'll be tagging with her tonight. And then we were like, oh my God, that was just the coolest thing ever. And like, we went up to her and we're like, oh, like, what color are you wearing? Cause me and Jess brought like every gear that we had and we had gear that matched her. So like, that was really cool too. Um, but yeah, it was just really cool. And like to see them put it together as well, because she doesn't speak much English. Um, so that was kind of our first introduction to like planning a match with someone that doesn't speak English. And it, it wasn't, it was a pretty easy process as well. So that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it was just like cool. Just standing next to her. An imposing figure, an imposing figure, right? Yeah. She's so cool. And then like, I met her again at, uh, Wrestle Queendom when she wrestled Viper. And then I saw her again when I was in Japan and she came up to me and she goes, do you remember me? What do you mean? <laughs> of course. Do you remember me? Oh, bless. that's amazing. Yeah. I was blown away. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to forget you. What do you mean? <laughs> like you should not even know that I exist. <laughs> uh, this was in 2017. And, and I think, you know, to, to see what you've done, I think people forget that you're, you're only what are you 25 now? Yeah. Um, how, I mean, how do you cope with all of this with, with so much that you've done coming so quickly? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I've been wrestling since like 2014. So, which isn't like a crazy amount of time, but also it is when I look back at it and I'm like, oh my God, okay. It's like eight years. Mm. Crazy because it's gone really quick. But I think like between 2014 and 2017, I wasn't really like, I was kind of stuck in Australia. I hadn't been outside of Australia. I was having tops in that time, maybe 20 matches. Do you know what I mean? Wrestling the same people over and over again. And then when I decided to move to England, it was just like kind of go, go, go from there. And it, it didn't stop and it didn't slow down until the pandemic. And I was just so used to, you know, wrestling as much as I could training three times a week. So it all is kind of like a blur and it just went so fast until the pandemic. And I was like, okay, this is going even three weeks without wrestling at the start was crazy. Uh, we we say that you're one of our own over here. You're you're pretty much one of our own in the UK. Um, what are what are some of the things from life over here that you love the most? I think at the time, so like 2017 to 2020, it was just you know there was like this big group of us in Wolverhampton, which is insane. <laughs> Why? Um, but there was so many of us and there was people coming over constantly and they were staying like at the house or, or like down to the other wrestle house as well. And it was just like a big group of friends and you would hang out every day. And I think that was just really fun. Like being able to like England is such a small country, like compared to Australia and like uh, America. 
So being able to just be able to do so many shows throughout the week even is crazy. And I just like, I loved that. You, 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 there's a little bit in my heart that belongs to Wolverhampton because I lived there for a few years myself. Uh, wow. I'm originally a West Midlands boy <laughs> and, uh, and I end up going to work on the radio in Wolverhampton for a few years. And uh, so I'm keen to know where were some of the Wolverhampton pubs that Charlie Evans frequented? Please tell me it was the moon underwater near the train station because that's a delight. It's cheap and cheerful. There's always something nasty happening in there, so it's good for people watching. <laughs> was there any other places? Number one, Did... number one will always be Planet. Nice. Oh, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. I swear to God, <laughs> I get emotional talking about <laughs> What was your best I night in Planet? What was... What's the number one night you had in Planet? Me and Millie would just decide to go there at like 11.30 on a Thursday. Like we'd be in bed and we'd go, fuck, you want to go Planet? And we'd just go for an hour. Like, and we'd just dance. And like the drinks are £1.50. <laughs> and it's just, it's just so fun. It was maybe like a five-minute drive from where I was living. Everyone is just nice. Everyone's cool. Thursday night planet is the goat. You can't go wrong. Like I literally like love it. Like <laughs> when I was, when I had to move back for the pandemic, I was like, fuck, I want to go to planet. I want to go to planet. So bad, so bad, so bad. And then when I came back recently, like it was like the first thing that we wanted to do. So talk to well, me emotionally how that first night back in planet was, was it cheeky planet night? It was. Right. So you had to do a it cheeky was. planet. It was. It was like a, like two pounds to get in or some shit. <laughs> and, oh, so good. Like me and Millie straight away. Like we brought Connor as well and he's just not into that sort of music. He's getting more into it, but he's like a rap hip hop boy. So he was just in shock, you know, and there's goths with like their neck painted. And it's just a whole different world for him, but. It was so good. Love, I love Planet. There's a lovely, there's a lovely video on your Twitter of Connor in Planet, and and I love it because for some it is, you know, it is the nerves of meeting the family, meeting the parents, meeting the friends. I feel like for Connor and you, that was a, a, a galvanizing moment in your relationship, right? You've got to come to Planet. <laughs> I was like, you have to love it. If you don't and love he it, does, we went to a. Uh, went to an emo night in Sydney this weekend, just gone. And he was like, oh, planet's so much better. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got yeah. him. <laughs> we've got him. Uh, so you ended up coming back in 2020, but back to you ended up going, having to go back to Australia. Now, was that, was that as a result of um, everything grinding to a halt? Was there other reasons why you went back? What was? Yeah. So everything kind of stopped and shut down. We were like, you know, shows stopped. And at the start, my mum was like, oh, you know, you should come back. And I was like, oh, no, nah, it's going to last like three weeks. You know what I mean? Like I thought it'd be like <laughs> over and done with. But, um, yeah, so I was in lockdown in England for maybe a month and a bit. And I was like, yeah, this just isn't getting better. Like the only, like wrestling was my full-time job. So without that, I am not making money. I'm just, you know now spending money and not making it. Um, the visa I was on, I could only wrestle. So I couldn't just go and get like a job anywhere else. Um, like all my friends were far away. <laughs> like my family was far away. So, and then they were starting to cut off flights back home 
So I was like, fuck it. Then I was calling my best friend who I live with uh, here and he's like, oh, you know, I just got grilled, which is like this burger place from Australia. And I was like, fuck it, I'm coming home. And that was like the deciding factor. It was the it was the final it was the hat on the buckaroo of your life decision where it's just like family friends the world shutting down no job just that grilled right fuck it and uh, yeah so I was like fuck it and I just bought like a flight for like in two days time because they were they were cutting them off <laughs> that and, must um, have been like really expensive it it was but i think cuz they were just trying to get people home at that time it wasn't too bad and there was only a one way as well so i had to do it do you know what i mean what kept you sane during lockdown because in australia you were especially sort of cut off from from everything and there was a bit where you got back to normal uh, yeah. before everybody else and you were all showing off having like lovely time <laughs> and then it all just went again um yeah. and and it went for longer uh, so what were some of the things that you did that that just kept you compass mentis when the whole world just caught fire so when i first came back like the, it didn't it was like it never happened here like everyone was normal no one was wearing masks because the the government dealt with it really well so it went they just closed the borders off they weren't letting people in and if they were letting people in like i had to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel so they literally like they would take you straight from the airport. Everyone would get on a bus and they would take you to this hotel and they would pay for it. And it was a lovely hotel too, so that was sick. Wow. Um, yeah, it was like it was good, like the way they did it, just to like try and st- and they would test you like every like three days or something, and then you you could leave. So you know, coming back to it was pretty normal. Um, shows started running again and stuff like that, and then. Um, someone brought COVID in and gave it to a security guard that was in the hotel and then they took it out. And because like Australia didn't really get the vaccine because we just didn't need it at the time. Like there were other countries that needed it more than us, obviously. Um, So barely anyone was vaccinated and then it just spread like crazy. Then we went back into a lockdown. Um, I mean, it, it did suck like not being able to see my friends, but like I live with my best friend here. Um, it came at like kind of a good time where like me and Connor had just started talking. So I could just FaceTime him every day. Like I had, we bought like a home gym set up because we didn't like, we were missing the gym so much. So we we're like, fuck it. Like, let's just buy things that we can use. So at least you like, we have something to do. So that was nice, but yeah, it did, it did kind of suck. And then like seeing the world like come out from it while we were still stuck in it was, was hard. Um, it was so. Did you and Connor get to together during the lockdown, or was it just before? No, no, you'd have been together. No, of course, not. you'd have been together when you were in Aust- in. Uh... No, 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 because he's only recently come to Planet. Um, yeah. I'm basing it on before and after Planet time. So <laughs> pre Planet, post Planet. So pre Planet, uh, no, post Planet. So, so when we, was it? We started talking in like uh, February of 2021, and then we went into the lockdown in June. Right. How did you come to start talking? If you don't mind me asking. Um, well, this will lead into my last match. Do you want to ask? Do you want to ask oh, that? And then, then we'll, we'll go. Then we'll hold. I tell you what. Uh, yeah, let's let's go into your last match with the conversation about Connor, and then we can come back and talk okay. about the book. Love that. Okay, so my last match would be Joey Janela versus Everett Connors from GCW Fight Forever, nice. because that was the first time I ever saw him. 
and I was just like in awe and it was just like purely by accident as well like because that was like a 24-hour show so we were just kind of like oh let's just chuck it on and it happened to be that and I was like okay like like Joey was coming out and I was like okay I like Joey he's really good let's watch it and then Connor came out and I was like who is this pink-haired boy and like (laughs) I literally just fell in love with him so I would watch that because then I would be like fucking get me home to him that's a no, lovely thought. I'd run on fucking water. So, so you hadn't, so you hadn't spoke at that point. You'd just seen him and were just like, "Oh, hello." I just saw him, yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Then I tweeted at him saying I wanted to marry him. Was that your first and interaction? It was just like, "I'd like to marry you, please." Yeah, I said, "Let me know." <laughs> and he goes, "I'm letting you know. I'll take your hand in marriage." And I was like, "Oh, this is great." And then I like kind of looked at his profile and saw he was from St. Louis. So I messaged the besties. I messaged David Vega. And I was like, Vega, who is this? Give me the goss. I think I'm in love. And he like told me about him and they're, and they're quite good friends. And I was like, you need to tell this boy to message me because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and then uh, Vega obviously didn't tell him at all because he's a snake. Even though I'd message him all the time, be like, Vega, please, Vega, please. So I messaged Fitchett because Fitchett gets shit done. <laughs> <laughs> and then Fitchett told Connor and then little did I know Connor had also been talking to them about me. Oh, and then he hit me up and was like, "Hey, you're cool. Let's be friends." So, do you think they were playing the long game just to wind you up, knowing that you guys would end up together anyway? Was that what this was? Do we think? Because <laughs> Vegas, like, I bet you one day you'll meet him and you won't even talk in person. <laughs> oh, they just oh, so maybe it was a test then, just to get you to actually. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, but Vega will claim that it was all him. He'll be like, I'm Cupid. I I made this happen. So, I mean, yeah. So that's how it all happened. And we just started talking. And then, uh, yeah. You had, uh, so, so, and then from there, you know, you guys, you finally got to spend some time together. He got to come to Planet. And it was part of that, uh, that, first, that first trip into your special place in the UK. Um, I want to touch on that because, I mean, it was, you know, you've been, Shut away from the world for several years uh, because of the lockdown. It felt like more, about 100 years. And you come back to the UK and it doesn't quite go according to plan. Um, there was um, there was physical and mental health issues that, that dogged you as you got here. Which yeah. of those struck you first? Um, I think mentally I was just worn out. So I think because I hadn't wrestled for so long, I... Uh... I really just like threw myself back into it as soon as I got to America and I was wrestling like three, four times a week and just the travel schedule in America is so intense. Mm. And I think I just kind of like, it was just too much and I wasn't enjoying it. And I think when you don't enjoy it, like what's the point? Like there's literally no point of me throwing myself at the ground and getting hurt if I'm not, if I don't love it. So I think like that was like, that happened probably like midway through my trip in America. And I was just like, oh, this fucking, you know, it's just hard. And there was there, like GCW and JCW are like the exception. Like I fucking love GCW with all my heart. Like I love them. I love doing them. I love wrestling for them like so much. Um, so they were like the one place I was really look, looking forward to. And I was like, oh, you know what? Like it'll be better in England. Like I'll, um, I, like I think I'm at the point where I want to, just like kind of pick and choose what I really want to do. Like, I just don't want to do matches that don't like mean anything like to me. 
because I just don't see the point. <laughs> like, and it sounds mean probably, but it just, it is what it is. Like, I really want to like, I'm, I'm such a wrestler that puts like their heart and soul into it. And I get like really like emotionally drained from, from wrestling. Um, so I just want to be able to do what I wanted to do. And like coming back to England, it was that like, you know, I just wanted to do like Eve and good and resurgence and like Tuesday night graps and stuff like that. Like the places that I really loved, and then I got hurt. <laughs> and to, to touch on that, and I think there's something to be said for burnout because when and, and again, come back to like you know you've done so much and and you've you've got so much still to go. But there does come a point where you have to go. I I don't need to say yes to everything. Yeah, we are so conditioned when we work in in jobs in in a media environment, like you know. In, in whatever faculty, in this case wrestling, that if you don't say yes to everything, people won't take you seriously. You'll never work in this town again. There are a hundred other people behind you that will do what you do. And yeah. that's really drilled into you. And then you learn as you get a bit older and you spend a bit more time in it. Actually, no one can do what I do. That's not yeah. the case. And I need to start cherry picking what I do because otherwise I'm just going to burn out. And I yeah. think it's great that you got to a point where it's it's sad that it took you getting burnout to do it, but it's great to reach a point where you go, actually, I just, I'm just going to do the stuff I like now. Yeah. You know, I think I, I like, I, I realize my worth as well. Like I know that I bring something else to the table that not everyone does. So, you know, having me on your show is an asset and I'm not just going to like give that away to everyone because it's just going to hurt me in the long run. It's amazing how many don't have that mindset yet. And I think it's important to have it. Be yeah, for be sure. Because then it, because then is, there's, there's a great book I read called Oversubscribed. And it's all about this idea of, you know, doing by, by not being everywhere, you know, you offer something that everybody wants. It's the, it's the, 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 it's the exclusivity and I, you know, and I genuinely think there's, if there's a show with Charlie Evans on, it must be a decent show because you're yep. there and that's because you're very selective as to what and where you do. Um, and then, so the, so you had that going on and you kind of went, I'm just going to do the stuff I want to do. And then the injury. So how did the injury occur? Well, even before that, like I was planning on taking maybe like three, four weeks off, which really doesn't sound long, but that's still, you know, possibly like up to like eight, nine shows that I could have missed. Um, so I was planning to take some time off because I was like, I'm not enjoying it. I just like, and even the places that I really wanted to wrestle, I like probably wasn't going to enjoy. And then I just took a power bomb and I just landed weird and I felt it straight away. And like my trap, I tore my trap. I was like, fuck, and that sucked. And like, I kind of like went home straight away. I it, like put heat on it, was trying to like figure it out. And then I had, um, I had your call um, for Rev Pro booked in against uh, Alex Windsor, and I really, really wanted to do that. So I kind of wrestled through that original tear with that, which probably made it worse, but I really wanted to do that match. Um, and then I was like, okay, fuck, I can't. <laughs> so were there some other um, – um, you still – I think – I believe you still ended up doing stuff with um, with with Progress because I know you had a, a dark match with them – so was that still on that with that same injury working through or was that after a little bit of time away? Um, so I got 
hurt at progress. Right. Okay. And then it was the week after that I did the, the York Hall show. And then I kind of just pulled out from everything else. I was meant to like Medusa Complex was meant to have their big reunion match and we didn't do that, but like, it ended up happening just before I left. Like I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take Eve, um, resurgence and good. And they were like the last three I was going to do because Connor's visa for Australia had been accepted. Um, so we were planning on leaving anyway. Um, so I did the tag with, with Millie just cause I really like, I felt like I needed to do that and it's never going to be seen cause she can't, um, be streamed. So I was like, okay, like I don't need to go out and wrestle like a crazy person for this. Um, and we just like fucked around and had fun. It was just so enjoyable. Like it was so sad at the end though. Cause I love tagging with Millie. Um, and that was against Erin and Jetta. And like, I specifically asked, can, can we wrestle Erin and Jetta? Um, cause they had helped us so much. Like when we first started tagging. So I thought that would be nice. Like Erin hadn't wrestled, like she had, had a baby like two years ago, hadn't wrestled since, but she came back for that one. So that was really cool. Um, and then I was meant to wrestle Kanji at resurgence. Uh, but unfortunately like the day before I got a message from them saying like, she's hurt her arm again. Um, so she's not doing it. So I was like, okay, well, there's no one else that I want to wrestle. So I, I pulled out of that. I really pushed the belt. And then, um, yeah, it was like, and then Good cancelled their show and we had already bought flights for the, the day after that show. So I was like, well, okay, I'm going to relinquish that belt too. But, yeah, the Kanji one sucked because I was, I I really wanted to wrestle her again. And I'm sure it will happen one day, but. You said you were emotional yeah. with the, um, with your match with Amelia McKenzie, um, the, was that, would that be the last flight of the Medusa complex or are there other things? Did that feel like the end? No, I think we'll definitely tag again. Yeah. We will definitely tag again. I would love to go back to Japan with her. That was really fun. Um, there's probably not many people that I could spend a month in the same room as, but she kept entertaining. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't think I, – I think we'll definitely tag again. Uh, you talk about headline WrestleMania, though, so I don't know. You might, you might. I, I hear there's some women's tag titles that are vacant. <laughs> oh no! A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
you mentioned Japan there. Let's let's talk about uh, your your project. Let's talk about your. Uh, this is this is lovely because you you put out on Twitter that you were you were putting something out into the world that you were so passionate about that you wanted to break your own uh, sort of idea of doing podcasts. Like you don't normally do sort of stuff like this, right. uh, and you know, and as we've talked about, we know why because it's like I just want to do the things I want to do. That's yeah. all. And so when you put that out there, I was very blessed that a few people had already tweeted you and gone, come and have a chat with Tom. So hi and thank you. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about this because I know how buzzing you are for this. And, it, and, it, and it's a story that takes us back to your time in Japan to get us there. Um, what is it away from the wrestling? We talked about living in the UK and, of course, the love for planet. Um, uh, what is it about life in Japan? Because obviously there's no planet in Japan and that's fine. They can't have everything. But what is it about uh, life in Japan when you're there that you love? Japan is, like, by far my favourite place I've ever been. Like, it honestly feels like you're in a whole different universe. Like, I feel like Australia, the UK, America are all pretty similar. Like, they're all, like, very Western countries. But Japan is just, like, nothing I've ever experienced before. Everyone is so nice. It's so organised. It's so clean. It's just the way of life is so cool and I, I loved it like if I could move there I'd move there in a heartbeat um I loved wrestling there I loved getting to train there I loved eating there like everything about it was just so perfect and uh yeah. the the shopping in particular was good because yeah. it was whilst you were shopping you found something so like I'm going to hand the story over to you to explain what this project is Ah, okay. So uh, when I was in Japan, I would go and just visit wrestling stores when I could. And there's this one in Tokyo. Um, and it's just amazing. Like there's there's walls of just like liger masks that he has worn. And like, it's just amazing. Um, there's so many books, there's so many figures. And they would have these like little boxes of just like photos, just like single singular photos and I just sat on the ground and I was just looking through these and there was like there was one of Miko when she was like probably like 16 years old when she just started there was one of Jun Kasai like piercing blood from his head and then I found this photo of Manami Toyota and it was just like I was like my breath was taken away it was just stunning and for like the next year I was like, okay, where did that photo come from? And I, and I searched so hard and I found that it was this book that she released like a photo book called B-Bomb and it was released in 96. So that was a year before I was born, which is really cool as well. And I tried so hard to like get my own copy of it. Cause I just wanted to see like what was in it because it's a, it's quite a thick book. It's quite big. And, um, I found like finally found it and it was expensive, but it was worth the buy. So I bought it for my, uh, my birthday in 2020. And I was like, Oh my God, I looked more into it. And she was 25 when she released it. So I was like, you know what, for my 25th birthday, I want to recreate it. Um, so I'm releasing a 44 page hardcover photo book, um, in collaboration with James Musselwhite and his wife, Fliss, who are just incredible and were so helpful in the whole process. And I don't think there was anyone else that I like really wanted to do this with. Like, I think he is just so above, he's just incredible. Like, and he has such a vision for things. So it was just such a creative process. And I was so, you know, set on like, I have this idea in mind and it's just, 
come true. So I'm releasing that on the 9th of June um, as like a pre-sale. So it'll be a little bit cheaper with a discount code on the 9th and then a few days later it'll be a full price. But I'm so happy with it. Like it's it's something that like it's like a coffee table book. Do you know what I mean? Like it's something that's actually like a piece of art, not just like a wrestling shirt or an 8 by 10 Like it's I'm offering something so different and unique that people in fucking 50 years time are going to look at and be like, wow, like this is stunning. Cause this is, this is something that you said to me when you were describing it, when you said like, you know, it's a picture of, it was this picture of an army Toyota that took your breath away. And you love the idea of somebody, you know, at the same age that you are now finding this book and having a similar reaction and, and, and that passion for wrestling coming through. Um, what is it about, uh, Manami Toyota as a body of work that that truly transcends wrestling to you? I think she was just so different for her time. You know, there was no, there's no girls that were wrestling the way she, there's, there's no one up until this day that wrestles the way she does. She's one of the best wrestlers that had, has ever lived. And she was so graceful and classy and beautiful and delicate, but so strong in the way that she presented herself. And I think, like, I would love to, like, show people that side of me. Like, it's a really intimate book. Um, like, I really, like, open myself up in this. Like, I, it's the most revealing I've ever ever been. Um, and it's just, it's not, like, a complete copy. That's not what I really want to do. I want to, like, take inspiration from her and turn it into my own. And yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> and you're doing it with, as you say, you're doing it with James Muscle White, who is a, an award-winning wrestling photographer. The chances are that if you're listening to this, you've seen one of Jim Bob's pictures already because they are they are iconic, some of the, the moments that he's captured in wrestling. So how did you come to approach uh, James with this particular idea? Well, I was thinking about it for a long time and, like, I've thought about doing this book for so long and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I, I, I need to do this. And it, there was no other way that I could have done it. Like I was like, I have to be this age. Like I have it. Like England is where like I found the book. It needs to be here. Um, and I've worked with James previously, like obviously he, when he was doing wrestling shows and me and Millie had released a um, calendar with him as well. And I know that he just like opened up his new studio. I'm really comfortable with him. His wife is part of the process as well. So like, you know, you just feel comfortable around that. And I approached him and I said, Hey, like I have this idea. I really think that like you're the one to do it. Um, and I sent him like a few photos from the book and he was like, yes, like this is absolutely like, let's do it. So it was like a lot of planning went into it. Like the shoot took eight hours to get all these photos then trying to pick like a certain amount of photos from all the ones that we took was also a process. Um, I tried to like, I found pieces that she was wearing in hers that like I also got. So like there is like this like crossover between the two books and it's just, it's stunning. There's a, if people follow you on Twitter, they'll know that um, like you share a lot of photos online, and there is there's a there's a confidence that exudes from you in doing them. Was that always the case? No, no, which is crazy because no, I think for so long I was like kind of like I'm not 
supermodel skinny. I'm not like anything like that. Like I have curves, I have like things that I'm not comfortable with, but I think like learning to just own that and having that confidence because like, you know, this is my body um, and it's the only one that you're going to have and it's the only life you're going to live. So you need, you need to have that confidence. Was there a eureka moment where you kind of found that confidence? I think honestly, like during that, the photo shoot for this book, because I was nervous going in, definitely I was going nervous. Like I was very nervous, but like the way she looked like Manami looks in her book, like she just seems like the most, like she is so sure of herself. She like, she knows like how powerful and how beautiful she is. And I think like showing that off is just really cool. And like, again, if someone, if a girl that starts wrestling in 20 years picks this up and has that same feeling that I have, like, that's all I want. That's the important thing. I think this is, yeah, as you say, like if it's somebody finding it down the line and, yeah. uh, and, and falling in love with, with wrestling the same way that you did yeah. is, is Manami Toyota aware of, of the tribute that you're doing? I don't know, but I'm scared if she finds out. Why? <laughs> I don't know. She's scary. <laughs> I know, but I surely she'd see it as an as an amazing. I would honor. love for her to know. I would love for her to know. I'd love to meet her. I'd love her to sign my copy of the book that she released. We, like, sh- we should cool. make that a thing. That should be a that should be a part of it. I feel like I I, I well, feel I've, I'm a big fan of end completes, and I feel like the end complete would be you guys take doing photos together for something. The dream. That'd be the dream, wouldn't that'd, it? Yeah, that'd be so cool. That'd Maybe be... next time. Next time I'm in Japan. Hey, that's day. Like, there you go. It's out there. It's <laughs> out there into the world now. We'll push that into yeah. manifest destiny. Manifest <laughs> destiny. Uh, and, and, and 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 with that, we come to the end of our of our time together. Uh, genuinely, yeah. Charlie, this has been. Uh, I've I've been keen to chat with you for a while, and as I say, I know that you don't normally do these, and I'm genuinely delighted. Uh, that you've come on to say hi. It's been really lovely to talk to you and and, and to shout about your project as well, especially. Um, yes. Where can people go to keep up to date with you? So just like follow me on Twitter. Um, that's where I'll be posting all about it. Like I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but I'm, I think it's like a little bit before uh, I release it, which is the 9th of June. Um, if you subscribe to my OnlyFans, you're going to get early access to it a few days beforehand because we're doing like a very limited amount. So I don't want people to miss out. So if you do want to get in early and make sure you grab a copy, um, subscribe there. But yeah, Twitter, I'm just so excited. Like I just really want to produce things that are not typical wrestling merch. And I think it's really important as a brand and as, you know, someone that wants to like not just be a wrestler that does shit wrestling t-shirts like everyone else. Like I, I really just want to produce like beautiful art that people can have because I think wrestling is an art form and if I can like, you know, continue on that path and make other things that people are proud to actually own, I think I'm doing a good job. So I'm really excited for this book. Let's end on one final question. I'd like to, to, to throw you back in time on this one, Charlie. Let's go back uh, to a young Charlie Evans. She's put the TV on and there's Kane, all hellfire and brimstone. And uh, young Charlie has screamed, run away. I don't know whether, did you hide under the bed, hide behind the sofa (laughs) as this happened? But say you are, and and you get the chance to tell your younger self something in that moment as they're cowering in fear of Glenn Jacobs, as a a whole state will do one day. Um, 
you get your chance to tell your younger self something that, that will hold them in good stead going forward, what would you like to tell them? Oh my God, this is intense, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very a big like believer of just like being present in the moment and just, you know, taking everything as it comes because shit happens for a reason and, and everything turns out in the end and you learn, you learn things from what you go through. So just being completely present in where you are. And as long as the way you are is planet, then it's fine. That's all that matters. And Kane can fucking fuck off in the showers. <laughs>